Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. While Frank was out searching for the missing rite that activates the wolf totem, I was here, in a cold, dark corner of a secret basement. So, Ulysses, since we have some time on our hands, why don't you tell me the story of the totems? Since I have a captive audience, I might as well spin a yarn. In the Dark Ages, there was widespread destruction, kingdoms at war, despite heavy losses, Kings are not the ones who pay dearly for it. It's the farmers whose fields were ablaze, and the chain reaction of famine and desperation continuing to grow after every battle. Ebrior was such a city. You won't find it in books or maps. It was torn apart by the ravages of war. That's where the totems were made. Ebrior was vibrant. Lush fields yielded a cornucopia of crops, and because of that, they were a wealthy community. Rumor was that magic made the harvests bountiful, earning Ebrior the title of the Magic City. Even the air in the city felt more charged with oxygen, colors more vibrant, and the greatest asset to its citizens, autonomy. They were not bound by the will of a king or queen. However, they sat between two large kingdoms on the verge of conflagration. On one side, General Arcturus, a mountain of malice. And the other, General Erasmus, a cunning strategist. The immediate battles between the two landed in stalemate after stalemate, both men searching for an advantage. They both turned their sights to the Magic City not for virtuous means like feeding their men. They were petitioning the mages to give them power, offering riches and seats of power in exchange. The leader of Ebrior denied their requests, seeking to remain neutral in a war that didn't involve them, at least not yet. The skirmishes drew closer to the city. Both generals claimed to abandon the area if they were given advantage. Eventually, Arcturus threatened to burn their crops. Erasmus claimed he would cut off all trade routes. Ebrior would not withstand this aggression, 
So its people decided to make a mystical source of power for both of the generals to destroy each other. Arcturus demanded the strength of a bear to overwhelm his enemies with brute force. Erasmus pined for the prowess and cunning of a wolf. So the soul of a bear and the soul of a wolf were transmuted into their respective medallions and secretly given to the generals without the other's knowledge. General Arcturus slayed countless soldiers. His savagery echoed throughout the battlefield. It's said he slaughtered 1,000 men in one battle. Erasmus was rumored to be just as powerful, but preferred traps and subversions. Striking at night with only the light of the full moon, Arcturus's men were decapitated or poisoned in their sleep. Some seemed to randomly succumb to madness, hearing howls from the dark and foggy fields. This battle of beasts raged on for weeks, until the generals broke their promises by bringing the bloodshed to the magic city. The wolf manipulated the town's officials and took the city, using it as a strategic base against the bear. Arcturus, being a warmonger, obliged Erasmus with siege weapons, annihilating the city and reducing the walls and its people to dust. Every human soldier was said to have died in the Breach of Ebrior, where once stood a magnificent civilization, was now only an arena for the Legion of the Dead to spectate an endless battle between madmen consumed by power. So, what happened to them? Some say they still battle endless in the ruins of a long-lost city. Personally, I believe there was a victor. Someone came out on top. Who do you think it was? I'm not sure. I only bet on brains over brawn. But the fact that you have the totem for the wolf leads me to believe Erasmus met his end first. But, who's to say, really? So am I just an animal with a bloodlust? How long will I be stuck like this? The ones who read the spell to you didn't complete it. I'll need to complete the ritual. There is no cure. However, making the wolf whole again should allow you to transform on command, to control this power. You want to use me to fight Andras, don't you? I admit my motives were to conscript you in a coming fight. Andros hasn't shown up anywhere yet, but... But he'll be back for the key to his box? And Frank has it. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry if it seems like I'm using you, but Andros is... extremely powerful. I consider myself a cautious man, but going against a demon, I'm honestly petrified. You may be the advantage we need. I'm not sure how I felt about that. On one hand, I want to help my friends. On the other, I, I don't want this power. What if I can't control it and I hurt someone I love? What if I get stuck in that form, forced to walk the earth as a beast forever? I'm sure Ulysses meant well. It wasn't in his nature to use others. I just hope that Frank hurried his search and at the end of this, I would be able to get control of the wolf inside and see it as a gift rather than a curse. I was still teetering on the concepts of whether or not I could ever forgive Cordelia. No matter how far removed from the end product she was, no matter which way you slice it, she's indirectly responsible for the people I've lost. 
and I did not want to be cooped up in a car with her. Why did she come, anyways? She's more baggage than she's worth. So, what's the plan? You do have a plan, right? I didn't like the condescending tone, because she knew damn well I didn't have a plan. How were we supposed to create an intricate heist from a police evidence lockup in the five minutes we've been on the road? Couldn't a snake like you slither right in unnoticed? Just like I thought. No plan. Good thing Ulysses snagged this. She was holding a fragment of the Hand of Glory from the diner above the ritual site. You know, that's another thing. You could have hurt those people. I was a little careless, sure. But I had a feeling I was being hunted and I had to hurry. No one was harmed, right? Actually, a guy died. I don't know if it's because of what you did to him, but he was stiff as a board. And you left some people in some pretty bad shape, not to mention any trauma you may have caused. Well then, why don't you tell me how the hell we're supposed to get past Darkrim's finest? I'm sure if we had time we could come up with a better idea, but right now this is all we got. We passed Cabaldi's diner, and I noticed police cruisers with their lights on. What happened here? I pulled over to get a better look. People crowded around an entrance as police ran around the back. There's a lot of police here, Frank. This may be our best chance to get into evidence. Hold on. I know the owner. I'm gonna go ask him about this. Whatever it was must have just happened. Alright, well, I suggest making it quick. I pulled over to the curb. Approaching the crowd and squeezing through, I heard muffled cries. When I got to the cordoned off area, an officer held her hand to my chest. I recognized her as one of the rookies who worked with Joe often enough for me to remember, but not often enough for me to know her name. I asked her what happened. She said some crazy ass kid came in here shooting the place up. Said it was revenge. He killed the owner, and a few others were hurt, but they'll pull through. Which way did he go? He ran through the back alley, but that was at least ten minutes ago. We just got here and taped the place off. Shit. Hey, where are you going? Don't go after him! Oh, damn, he's already gone. I just remembered, Joe got fired because of him. I hopped in my car to make up the time that he had been running on foot. I was gonna start a few blocks down the road. The city blocks were long and he probably didn't get too far yet. Um, Frank, is there a reason that we're speeding down the street so fast? You'll draw attention to us. This is more of a stealth operation. The police station was the other way! Bear with me here. We can't go to the station just yet. I'm going to get the bastard who did this. Should've slit his fucking throat. Whose throat? Be careful throwing around threats of throat slitting. Some people may have a traumatic memory attached to those words. Some asshole came into the diner while I was eating. He tried to rob the place, but I convinced him to leave before I put him in a pine box. It doesn't look like he was happy about that. The prick came back when he knew I wasn't there, and killed the cook who ran Cabaldi's. He was a good man. He convinced me to let the thief go. For what it's worth, 
I'm sorry you lost a friend. And I'm sorry that's becoming a pattern for you. I've lost a lot too. And I am sorry about Lady. Yeah. I heard gunfire and drove towards it. Turning down the next block, I seen the scumbag I was looking for in a shootout with a couple officers. I drove straight towards them, hoping to save the police the trouble of reading him his rights. Right before I made contact, he jumped to the side. He aimed his gun at me, and when he pulled the trigger, his slide arrested in the back position. He was out of ammo. So if there was any time to chase him, it would be now. Are you really doing this for Stay here. I ran down the alley, chasing behind the gunman. He looked petrified, and he should be. He would never shoot another innocent person ever again. A hint of my conscience rose to the forefront of my mind, and I thought about how I have the choice to keep giving in to vengeance, or to not feed that beast any longer. Maybe now I should make the better choice. Or was the better choice killing the bastard during the robbery? I guess I'll figure it out when I catch him. I rounded another corner to hear my target screaming. He was running back towards me, with horror on his face. Maybe it was a dead end and he had no place to go, or maybe he was hopped up on some drugs. I grabbed him by the collar. Why'd you have to kill him? Why'd you hurt those people? For a few bucks? Was it really worth ruining the rest of your life, rotting in prison, if I let you go to prison? We gotta go, man. Let me go, please. Please! What's wrong with you? No! Before I could even realize what was happening, he was already dragged a hundred feet down the alley. I couldn't believe my eyes. There was a huge dog. I'm pretty sure dogs don't come that big. I've seen some Tibetan Mastiffs that could go pound for pound with a heavyweight fighter, but they paled in comparison, standing over six feet high and four feet wide. This is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Its eyes were bright and luminescent. The cataract had formed over the irises, leaving just a gray circle inside of a white canvas. Rotting patches of flesh separated themselves from the skeletal frame. And the teeth. It had more teeth than a dog should have. Maybe more than a shark should have. Somehow making the sight even more sinister. All the teeth were different shapes and sizes some even bending in unnatural directions. I would have wondered how this thing even closes its mouth if I wasn't pissing myself in the alley. I had never felt so weak in the presence of anything. Hold still! A hooded figure stepped into the alley, close to the monstrous hound. I yelled for them to steer clear. Go! Get out of here! They turned to look at me, and then looked away, their attention back to the robber. Could this person not see this devil dog? I said hold still! If you don't calm down, you might lose your head! <laughs> the sound of the gunman being beheaded made me cringe. The rest of the lifeless body was thrown to the dog like a snack. The hood fell down from the head of a young woman. What the hell could she be doing out here? And with that thing? She had a sickening smile on her face. As the hound shredded its new treat, the woman wiped blood from her axe and traced it on the dead man's forehead. Then she glared at me, smile growing. I'm the angel watching over this city, so you be a good boy, or else you're next. <laughs> 
Come on, Fenrir. That was just an appetizer. I stood dumbfounded in the alley, even after she skipped out into the street, swinging her bloody axe like it was a baton to twirl. That was the angel from the news. I don't know what she is, but she's far from a celestial being of grace, and I was suddenly pushed from behind. Come on, idiot. If you hang around any longer, the cops will want to know why you were trying to do their job. Remember, Dusty's suffering in that musty basement. And even worse, Ulysses is probably telling stories. At this point, I'm wondering how you're any different. You didn't see what happened to that robber, did you? What? Did he get away? Well, you can't catch them all. No. We won't have to worry about him anymore. What? Did you kill him and toss him in a dumpster? What do you know about a giant undead dog? Rotting flesh with rows of scary teeth? That sounds like a nightmare. Or a hellhound. I've never actually seen one before. I think I just did. (laughs) I think you've just been hitting the bottle a little too hard there, Frankie. I'm serious. It ripped that guy to shreds. It smelled like smoke and burning garbage. And I could see the maggots shifting underneath its skin while it was still close. There was a woman with the hellhound, or controlling it. I think we might have more problems than just Andras. Oh, you're serious. And you're scared. That's something I haven't seen from you before. Fair. Her face was sullen. The mood got dark fast. And I was still processing what I saw. It was a quiet ride to Darkroom PD after that. So what is our plan? Well, I'll use the Hand of Glory. Then we'll run in, grab the paper, and get out of there. She was the one who was mocking my lack of a plan earlier. And then this is the best she comes up with. There wasn't much left of the Hand of Glory. You wouldn't even be able to tell it was a part of the candelabra. By the looks of it, we could only have a few minutes to run in and back out again. She said she made up for it with a special incantation, like she supercharged it. Since time was of the essence, we went with it. I parked a couple blocks to alleviate some suspicion. As we headed up the block, I pulled out my lighter and prepared to ignite the lone wick. Hold on there, cowboy. Cordelia closed my lighter, and then grabbed my wrist and muttered something under her breath. If you would have lit that, you would have been freezing yourself in place too. You're free to light it now. We walked through the front door of the police station. The flame burned disproportionately bright, and everything in its harsh glow was frozen. Police stood still, coffees in hand. I slid in between a few officers blocking a doorway. Our secret weapon was already starting to fade. Just over half of the candle was left. We needed to hurry. Getting caught in the middle of a heist in a police department was a bad career move. It was hard to not look at the statuesque cops with a medley of pity and apology. They can see you, Frank. You might as well just keep moving. Even if their eyes are open, they aren't conscious in this state. But that won't last long, so let's hurry. I think it's through here. As I made my way into evidence, an unease settled within me. Something was here, and it felt... familiar. But in a bad way, all the more reason to make haste. We rifled through the boxes and bags and storage, until Cordelia discovered something. Frank, I got it. There's some other strange items in the same box. Just grab the whole box, then. We have less than half the candle left. 
What are you naughty kids up to? There wouldn't happen to be a key in that box. Andras was waiting in the shadows, and it appeared he was partially hindered by the Hand of Glory, or whatever was left of it. This was the last thing I needed. He labored forwards. It took all of his strength to power through our enchanted item. Naturally, I kept a wide berth. As I inched towards the door, Cordelia was already in the hall. Frank! Cordelia, go! Take the keys! Frank! I thought we were the best of friends. Just tell me if there's a key in that box. It's all I'm here for. I don't know how you've brought that bitch back from the brink of death, but... You should have left her. She'll betray you as soon as it befits her. Yeah, that reminds me of someone I met recently. Maybe you've heard of him. Demon, tries to play angel, and he's not even a real demon. He's a lesser demon. A worthless grunt. Fine. I'll kill you, then take the key. I was going to let you live, but But I'm I'm not not interested interested in amicable amicable resolutions anymore. The candle was doing less and less to hold Andras back. I was in the hall now, pacing backwards while he lurched forward, like a mime trudging through invisible molasses. He followed me to the back exit of the police station. I set the small bit of candle left on the ground and ran out knowing I had very little time. Get back here, Frank! It belongs to me! I ran without looking back once. My feet pounded the pavement. I went out into the street. A thought came to mind. Cordelia could have ran off with something useful in that box. She could be long gone. She had a penchant for selfishness and vagrancy. Abandoning me would be in her wheelhouse. But it would also condemn me to certain death facing Andras. Luckily, she was driving up the road towards me. When Cordelia was but a few feet away, she slammed the brakes with a harsh stop. Get in! Frank, he's coming! I jumped in the car and peered over the back exit of Darkgrim PD. Andras was running swiftly and raising his spear in a throwing stance. I pulled out my revolver and leaning out of the window fired a couple shots. I sent another his way and the bullet found Andras's shoulder. I didn't stop him, but it halted the speed of his approach. Wincing in pain, he hurled the spear at us. The tip pierced the top of the car, catching Cordelia off guard. Does he have anything else to throw? I think we're in the clear. I was really hoping it was going to be a while before I saw him again. I can't say I'm thrilled to have a reunion so soon either. And now he knows we're in the city. That could be a problem. At least we have one thing going for us. He doesn't know if we have the key or not. The key? You still have it, right? Yeah, I got it stowed away somewhere safe. I don't even want to know where it is. You don't want what's in that box? Not really. Especially if it brings the attention of demons. Plus, technically, the client I was getting it for is already dead. Who's the buyer? The mob Don Storelli. Is there anyone who's going to be expecting to receive this item? Not that I'm aware of. We had no contingencies in place. But I'm guessing you got paid already. Well, just half up front, but it certainly was not worth the trouble. I'm sure it'll all blow over. You live in a fantasy world, don't you? Where I come from, people always get even. Mark my words, someone will come for you. How much did they pay you? He was a man who appreciated truly rare finds of varying mystical properties. So he paid handsomely with very little questions. Or we could steal the box from Andres and just give it to them. We aren't giving anything that demon covets to anyone. 
Whatever it is, it doesn't belong in their hands. We'll find a way to seal it again. Or destroy it. Maybe it's something we can use? And I have a feeling it's going to be trouble till it doesn't exist anymore. Maybe we'll throw it into the ocean. Or a volcano. And what about the key? Where did you get that? That was Storelli's too. <sighs> you stole the key, didn't you? God damn it! What? Like I said, it's probably fine. I didn't talk to anyone else but Storelli. I can't help but feel like something you did is about to bite us both in the ass. Well, stranger, we appreciate you stopping by to spend some time with us in the shadows. If you want more Neon Shadows, head over to at Neon Shadows Pod on all social media and check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash neonshadowspod. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. The cast of this episode was Dusty Willis, voiced by Dan Faulkner. Cordelia, voiced by Amber Wren. Frank Dixon, voiced by Ian Knowles. Andras, voiced by Tim Duplissy. The Diner Robber, voiced by Zachary Dewey. Policewoman, voiced by Gabby Naylor. Angel, voiced by Blythe Renee. And Ulysses, voiced by Sean Goodrich. The theme song is Neon Shadows, performed by Amber Wren, written by Tyler Brown and Ian Knowles. Neon Shadows was created and written by Ian Knowles. All rights reserved, copyright Blunderbuss Studios 2021. Reuse or reproduction of our content is strictly prohibited. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together.